everybody dumb my name is christian wagner and i'm the militant thomist sorry for the terrible like lighting and background conditions this is pretty horrible but uh i'm at my parents house right now and the best i could do was their extra room so you will be getting a stream from the militant parents house but uh i'm just doing a decided to do my my free patron stream today give a patron stream for the people you know so this one is on an interesting topic it's going to be on uh the use of alcohol in saint thomas aquinas eventually what i want to do is i want to go into um father lagrange and his commentary on the uh on the virtues and then read what he says about it because he'd have a lot of interesting corollaries but Besides that, uh, let's get right into it. So this is going to be in Secunda Secunde, uh, question 149 and then question 150. I'll kind of be skipping, skipping around a little bit, but it's all good. So whether drink is the matter of sobriety, and this is generally the way in which uh, Secunda Secunde works. It lists a cardinal virtue, then all the kind of um, secondary virtues attached to it. So sobriety is going to be under temperance. So that's where sobriety fits in is um, the ability to <clears throat> the ability to regulate one's uh, sensual appetites. So whether drink is a matter of sobriety, on the contrary, it is written, wine taken with sobriety is equal life to men. If thou drink it moderately, thou shalt be sober. I answer that when a virtue is denied for from some special from some condition common to the virtues, the matter specially belonging to it in that in which it is most difficult and most commendable to satisfy that condition of virtue. Thus fortitude is about dangers of death and temperance about pleasures of touch. So all this is saying is that a virtue is usually specified by the most um, common condition and uh, the most difficult condition um, when it comes to that not most common but most uh most difficult condition to satisfy in that virtue now sobriety takes its name from measure for a man is said to be sober when he observes the bria that is the measure wherefore sobriety lays a special claim to the matter wherein the observance of the measure is most deserving of praise such matters the drinking of intoxicants because the measure use thereof is most profitable, while immoderate excess therein is most harmful, since it hinders the use of reason more than excessive eating. 
So when it comes to sobriety, we usually uh, denominate it by alcohol because um, to it is it is the most uh, dangerous to fall into uh, excessive use of alcohol, and it's the most um, commendable uh, to be able to um, be sober when it comes to it. Hence, it is written, sober drinking is health to soul and body, wine, drunken with excess, raiseth quarrels, and wrath in many ruins. For this reason, sobriety is especially concerned with drink, not any kind of drink, but that which, by reason of its volatility, is liable to disturb the brain, such as wine and all intoxicants. Uh, nevertheless, sobriety may be employed in a general sense, so it is applied to any matter as stated above, with regard to fortitude and temperance. Okay. So that's pretty, pretty obvious. So I'm going to skip whether sobriety itself is a special virtue. And I'm going to go to Article 3, because this is actually, unfortunately, this is a is a debate. Uh, I don't even know why this is a debate. You'll get like the John MacArthur types making entire sermons about, oh, um, actually, they weren't drinking wine. It was just like, it, it was just like really watered down. It was actually basically grape juice. Therefore, we can use grape juice in the Eucharist and drinking wine is bad. Like, come on now. But, so, Article 3. And I was going to uh, actually drink a Guinness during this to uh, to be in accordance with the matter of the show. But uh, I have, after this, I'm leaving to drive somewhere. So, you have to be uh, prudent when it comes to that. So, whether the use of wine is altogether unlawful. And then I actually am going to uh, read the objections after I read the respondeo. On the contrary, the apostle says, do not drink water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thy frequent infirmities. And it is written, wine drunken with moderation is the joy of the soul and the heart. Now, I think it's especially obvious that this isn't talking about my grape juice because good. just just replace that and just, just think whether this would make sense. Grape juice drunken with moderation is the joy of the soul and the heart. Come on now. I answer that no meat or drink considered in itself is unlawful. And I'll notice considered in itself, there may be certain accidental circumstances such as overuse or use at the wrong times, which may make it law unlawful. But considered in itself, it is not unlawful according to Matthew 15, 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man. Wherefore, it is not unlawful to drink wine as such. Yet it may become unlawful accidentally. This is sometimes owing to a circumstance on the part of the drinker, either because he is easily the worse for taking wine or because he is bound by a vow not to drink wine. Sometimes it results from the mode of drinking, because to wit, he exceeds the measure in drinking. And sometimes it is on account of others who would be scandalized thereby. Okay, so there's a few important things to break down here. So the first case, it may be unlawful and it's uh, accidentally to drink wine because... You may be worse for drinking wine. It may not be good for your uh, your health. Second, because there's some people who are like allergic to wine. That would be that sort of situation. Second, because he is bound by a vow not to take wine. So if you have vowed not to drink wine, just don't drink wine. Sometimes it results from the mode of drinking uh, because to wit, uh, he exceeds the measure of drinking. So drinking too much. This is pretty simple stuff. But also wanted to go back to uh, he is the he is easily the worst for uh, taking wine. This would have to do with like recovering alcoholics and, and uh, people of certain uh, dispositions too, not just uh, 
general health problems. Sometimes it is on account of others who would be scandalized thereby, and that is very important. You have you have the liberty um, to to uh, eat whatever you want and to drink whatever you want, um, as long as there aren't those accidental circumstances. But that doesn't mean that you could just uh, absolutely trample on others who may uh, be scandalized by that. So it might be people who are recovering alcoholics, people that just have some sort of conscience issue with drinking, something like that. And then um, I wanted to read the second, yes, the second objection. Further, the apostle says, it is good not to eat flesh and not to drink wine, nor anywhere by thy brother's offender scandalized or made weak. Now it is sinful to forsake the good of virtue, as likewise to scandal lies one's brethren. Therefore, it is unlawful to make use of wine. And then he responds, the apostle does not declare simply that it is good to abstain from wine, but that it is good in the case where, where this would give scandal to certain people. Now notice the distinction between simply and then... Um, accidentally. Okay, so, and then this one's also another uh, interesting one I want to cover before we get into um, the sin of drunkenness itself. Whether sobriety is more requisite in persons of greater standing. So, on the contrary, the apostle says, the woman in like matter chaste sober, and young men in like matter exhort that they be sober. So, I answer that virtue includes relationship to two things, to the contrary vices which it removes and to the end to which it leads. Accordingly, a particular virtue is more requisite in certain persons for two reasons. First, because they are more prone to the concupiscences which need to be restrained by virtue and to the vices which need to be removed by virtue. So when it comes to this, having a certain uh, disposition, um, that that would have one fall into the contrary vice so maybe a person again might be an alcoholic or or something of that nature in this respect sobriety is most requisite in the young and in women because concupiscence of pleasure thrives in the young on account of the heat of youth while in women there is not sufficient strength of mind to resist concupiscence so honestly like from experience i think we can all know this is that uh when you have excessively young people uh, drinking um, to excess, there's a lot of issues. And also uh, when you have uh, women who, uh, because of the um, weakness of mind and the um, the stronger proneness concupiscence, it is usually uh, much less prudent for a, a woman to, to drink. Hence, according to Valerius Maximus, among the ancient Romans, Women drank no wine. Second, sobriety is more requisite in certain persons as being more necessary for the operations proper to them. Now, a moderate use of wine is a notable obstacle to the use of reason, wherefore sobriety is specially prescribed to the old, in whom reason should be vigorous in instructing others, to bishops and all ministers of the church, who should fulfill their spiritual duties with a devout mind, and to kings who should rule their subjects with wisdom. So another group which needs uh, to focus very strongly on sobriety is those who have a lot of, um, those who have to use their minds a lot, such as uh, those who are um, older. 
and also those who are ministers of the church, uh, those who are teachers, they shouldn't be uh, drinking to excess because that is going to cloud their mind and cloud their judgment. Okay, so now getting into drunkenness. So this is going to give get us some good uh, kazooistry to because people ask me all the time. Uh, this is a very very common question of how far is too far when it comes to drinking. People will people will message me and say, "Hey, last night um, this subjective amount of of uh, of drunk I was, and um, how should I?" Uh, discern when it comes to whether it's grave matter, whether there's a full intent, whether it's objectively a sin. I did this actually when I was uh, in this state. How does that affect that sin and blah, blah, blah. So this this is a very common question. Uh, people ask it all the time. It's very uh, People are very interested. Okay, so uh, so where does the strange view that alcohol is evil in Protestantism actually come from? So basically, it comes from capitalism, and I'm not even uh, being uh, I'm not even memeing here. So in the 19th century, uh, what happened is there was the the capitalists who, in order to save money, hired out women and children, and didn't hire men. So there was mass unemployment among men, and uh, when it came to women and children, they were they were working. Uh, almost all day. So you had a bunch of guys who were uh, down on their luck, depressed, home alone, um, nothing to do. So what did, What else would they do? They just went and they drank all the time. And also because of the hardship of the drop jobs, they would drink all the time. And this led to a lot of issues with um, with them abusing their wives, them not being able to support their families, and so on and so forth. So there was a huge, uh, what was called temperance movement in America. Because if if you're not um, really overseas too much, you're not going to realize that the uh, the sort of temperance movement is really only big in America. Like in America is really the only place where you'll get it as extensive, even, even to this day, um, uh, the consumption of alcohol is seen as something that is unchristian. Um, so that that is that is uh, something which is very localized in American uh, Protestantism because of of the capitalists. So I'll get back to it. Drunkenness. So whether drunkenness is a sin. On the contrary, the apostle says not in rioting and drunkenness. So I answer that drunkenness may be understood in two ways. First, it may signify the defect itself of a man resulting from his drinking much wine, the consequence being that he loses the use of reason. So this is, when it comes to this, the loss of the use of reason, it's going to be important that he's talking about what's called the matter of the sin, or maybe uh, you, you may know it as grave matter when it comes to uh, discerning mortal sin. Is going to be something which is the, the the act itself, or at least the uh, the um, not not the act itself, but the consequence of the act itself. So, in uh, in discerning uh, whether something is sinful or not, let's say uh, I I know this happened to uh, somebody that I know. Let's say you go um, and you don't know how alcohol offends uh, offends you affects you. So you uh, drink way too much, and there is the result of you losing the use of your reason. 
Now, this isn't imputable to you as as a sin because you didn't have uh, full knowledge going into it. There was no way you could have known uh, what was going to happen. So um, it not always uh, is is uh, drunkenness as a fact, uh, as a state, uh, really uh, sinful. In this sense, drunkenness denotes not a sin, but a penal defect resulting from a fault. Second, drunkenness may uh, denote the act by which a man incurs this defect. This act may cause drunkenness in two ways. In one way, though the wine being strong, without the drinker being cognizant of this, and in this way too, drunkenness may occur without sin, especially if it is not through uh, his negligence. And thus we believe that Noah was made drunk as related in Genesis 9. So again, this way is, is not sinful. In another way, drunkenness may result from inordinate concupiscence and the use of and use of wine. In this way, it is accounted as sin, and is com, uh, comprised under gluttony as a species under its genus. For gluttony is divided into suffering um, and drunkenness, which are forbidden by the apostle Romans thirteen three. So, with with full knowledge, uh, with with knowledge and consent of the will. Um, and the, the the matter that is um, inordinate uses of alcohol, yes, it's going to be something which is sinful. Now, next question, whether drunkenness is a mortal sin. On the contrary, we read in the canons of the apostles, a bishop, priest, or deacon who is given to drunkenness or gambling or incites others thereto must either cease or be disposed. A subdeacon, reader, or Precentor, who does these things, must either give them up or be excommunicated. The same applies to the laity. Now, such pun punishments are not inflicted save for mortal sins. Therefore, drunkenness is a mortal sin. I answer that. The sin of drunkenness, as stated in the foregoing article, consists in the immoderate use and concupiscence of wine. Now, this may happen to a man in three ways. First, so that he knows not the drink to be immoderate and intoxicating. And then drunkenness may be without sin, as stated above. So if you're um, you're asking, uh, if you're asking me uh, it, it, uh, uh, whether th this uh, whatever, whatever happened to you is mortally sinful. If you're in this first category that you don't really know um, beforehand, then no, it's not. Second, so that he perceives the drink to be immoderate, but without knowing it to be intoxicating, then drunkenness may involve a venial sin. Third, it may happen that a man is well aware that the drink is immoderate and intoxicating, and yet he would rather be drunk than abstain from drink. Such a man is a drunkard, properly speaking, because morals take their species not from things that occur accidentally and beside the intention, but from that which is directly intended. In this way, drunkenness is a mortal sin, because then a man willingly and knowing, uh, knowingly deprives himself of the use of reason, whereby he performs virtuous deeds and avoids sin, and thus he sins mortally by running risk of falling into sin. For Ambrose says, we learn that we should uh, shun drunkenness, which prevents us from avoiding grievous sins. For the things we avoid when sober, we unknowingly commit through drunkenness. Therefore, drunkenness, properly speaking, is a mortal sin. And uh, notice, willingly and knowingly uh, depriving yourself of reason. 
Okay. Now, um, the objections are really good on this one, so I'm going to read them. Objection one. It would seem that drunkenness is not a mortal sin. For Augustine says in a sermon of purgatory that drunkenness, if indulged in assiduously, is a mortal sin. Now, assidui, assidu, I sorry, denotes a circumstance which does not change the species of a sin, so that it cannot aggravate a sin indefinitely and make a mortal sin of a venial sin as shown above. Therefore, if drunkenness is not a mortal sin for some other reason, neither it is for this. Okay, then he's going to respond. Assiduity, I can't pronounce it, makes drunkenness a mortal sin not on account of the mere repetition of the act, but because it is impossible for a man to become drunk assiduously without exposing himself to drunken uh, drunkenness knowingly and willingly, since he has many times experienced the strength of wine and his own liability to drunkenness. So uh, really, um, when it comes to a, a, uh, a person is more liable, the more uh, experience they have, it's more likely to be a mortal sin. And then second, further, Augustine says, whenever a man takes more meat and drink than is necessary, he should know that this is one of the lesser th uh, sins. Now, the lesser sins are called venial. Therefore, drunkenness, which is caused by a moderate drink, is a venial sin. Reply to objection two, to take more meat or drink than is necessary belongs to the vice of gluttony, which is not always a mortal sin, but knowingly to take too much or drink to the point of being drunk is a mortal sin. Hence, Augustine says, drunkenness is far from me. Thou wilt have mercy that it uh, come not near me, but full feeding sometimes hath crept upon thy servant. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty pretty obviously and then notice always knowingly to take too much drink to the point of being drunk and then i think yeah so objection three wasn't too uh, important and the gravest of sins but the last thing i wanted to get to is this article four article four is actually very important because this people ask the question all the time about whether drunkenness excuses from sin. And St. Thomas's answer is actually the exact opposite of what you would think. <clears throat> on the contrary, according to Augustine, Lot was excused from incest on account of drunkenness. I answer that two things are to be observed in drunkenness as stated above, namely the resulting defect and the preceding act. On the part of the resulting defect, whereby the use of reason is fettered, Drunkenness may be an excuse for sin, insofar as it causes an act to be involuntary through ignorance. So, uh, when it comes to uh, drinking, the result of uh, the lack of reason de facto makes one unable to, um, to sin. So, it can be said to be an excuse for sin because you, you don't have um, your rational uh, appetite engaged. Uh, in the act. But on the part of the preceding act, a distinction would seem necessary, because if the drunkenness that results from the act be without sin, the subsequent sin is entirely excused from fault, as perhaps in the case of Lot. So, if we remember uh, the example of somebody who doesn't know how uh, a drink is going to affect him, if that is the case, they don't know how drinks can affect them, and when it comes to the resulting sin, um, that lacked the use of reason because of um, a certain ignorance uh, 
than the entire act, uh, both the, um, the intoxication itself and then also the resulting faults are excused from sin. If, however, the preceding act was sinful, the person is not altogether excused from the subsequent sin because the latter is rendered voluntary through the voluntariness of the preceding act, inasmuch as it was through doing something unlawful that he fell into the subsequent sin. Nevertheless, the resulting sin is diminished, even as the character of, voluntari of voluntariness is diminished. So, this is also an important thing, is if you are voluntarily, um, and with full knowledge, uh, becoming uh, intoxicated, then... Uh, you do share some responsibility when it comes to your future acts because you knew that there's a possibility that you were going to do these various things. So in some sense, you are actually um, consenting to those future sins that you uh, will commit, although in the, uh, in the committing themselves, you don't have the, use, the proper use of your reason. Okay, so I think... That is it. Yep. So, so what do these Protestants think Jesus made uh, water into grape juice? Um, basically, I mean, it's really, it's just like non-alcoholic wine is, is what they're going to say. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you all for, uh, for stopping by. Uh, remember to, if you like these uh, sort of daily videos that I do, I usually do it on something in the Summa uh, like that. Uh, that's just interesting. Uh, people can request if they if they so want to. Uh, then become a patron at patreon.com slash militantomist. It really helps me out. Or uh, subscribestar.com slash militant-tomist. So thank you and 